Chapter Two of Miss Pym's Camouflage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Miss Pym's Camouflage by Lady Dorothy Stanley. Chapter Two. My dear Miss Pym, I hope nothing is amiss. Cried the Reverend Eustace Barton, entering the library. I am delighted to see you. In fact, I had promised myself the pleasure of a visit to Froghurst Manor to-day. We have a great deal to talk over, have we not? Those two dear young people, so devoted, so— Oh, Mr. Barton, Mr. Barton, there is or has been something very much amiss, and I feel I must tell you, just you and only you. Then Miss Pym recounted her strange experience. The vicar, a very solid, sensible country gentleman, with a legal-looking face, keen, kindly eyes, and close-cropped grey hair, listened patiently to Miss Pym. He liked and greatly respected her, and her story gave him pain. Such a sensible woman, too, the very last woman one would have thought to give way to delusions. Well, said Miss Pym, anxiously looking at him, you are silent. Speak tell me what it all means miss pym drew out her handkerchief the vicar looked steadily at miss pym you really want my opinion well send for dr mulready or go to london and see a good man perhaps that would be better mulready is rather a gossip take a holiday my dear miss pym you are run down oh we shall miss you in the parish but we mustn't be greedy go away and rest rest he said almost fiercely keeping a quelling eye upon her as much as to say disappear now if you dare miss pym was shocked so then you do not believe me of course i ought to have realized that it does seem unbelievable i wouldn't have believed you i suppose if you had told me that story i don't in the least blame you miss pym you just can't help it all you must do is to get rest and complete change of scene but it is true my dear vicar i wish with all my heart and soul i were mistaken if it returns what am i to do it may never return but if i again become invisible tell me and here her voice broke tell me what to do the reverend eustace barton felt annoyed he was a very matter-of-fact sensible man he felt he could solve most problems and was ready and willing to settle the worldly and spiritual affairs of each one of his parishioners but to sit and talk nonsense with miss pym was exceedingly distasteful to him his son was engaged to her niece and if miss pym's mind was failing he should seriously object to his son marrying into the family mr barton's face took on his most severe legal look i have a good deal of work especially to-day he began looking fixedly at miss pym and if there is nothing else you wish to talk of i think i must go a curious feeling of triumph now came over miss pym the vicar was in her power he doubted her word or her sanity it rested with her to convince him she would share the dreadful secret with him seeing is believing but this was a case of not seeing in order to believe yes miss pym had an unmistakable glint of triumph in her eyes she leant forward in her chair and spoke with measured solemnity mr barton one moment if you please look at me fixedly it is necessary that i should disappear only remember i am there all the time now 
and Miss Pym leant back, stiffened her neck, her kindly face took on a strained, anxious expression, and she disappeared, and the chair she sat in also disappeared. To say that the good vicar was astonished would be a feeble way of putting it. He felt physical insecurity. He stepped back cautiously, clutching the back of his chair, as though he expected to be swept away with Miss Pym into nothingness. Can you see me? said her voice. No, no, I do not, cried the vicar very nervously. Now, Mr. Barton, please come forward and take my hand. I am reaching it out to you, continued Miss Pym. Mr. Barton, greatly disturbed, groped his way to the invisible lady, starting violently when he felt a hand on his coat-sleeve. There, now, stop. Put your hand on my shoulder. Follow up my arm. There, now. You see, I am here, sitting in the armchair. No, I don't see. That is, I don't understand. Just so, burst in Miss Pym. Neither do I understand. In fact, I should not know that I am invisible. Has the chair gone also? She inquired anxiously. You and the chair are out of sight, gasped the vicar. Well, go back to your seat, and I will reappear. It is difficult to carry on a connected conversation, knowing yourself to be invisible. It is awkward, and if anyone came in, it would seem as though you had been talking to yourself. Mr. Barton tiptoed backwards to his chair, feeling very hot and upset. He carefully dabbed his forehead and the back of his neck with his handkerchief. Then suddenly Miss Pym was there, and her eyes said, I told you so, triumphantly but the triumph soon gave place to a very real look of sorrow. Oh, tell me, is this an evil possession, the work of, of Satan? Dear vicar, have I a, a devil? But the Reverend Mr. Barton had recovered himself. Here was a wonderful phenomenon, undoubtedly, and it was for him to consider it and advise. I don't think it is reasonable to put down to the evil one, what we cannot explain. My dear Miss Pym, this new faculty you have suddenly become possessed of is amazing and mysterious, but we need not associate it with evil. You say it occurred for the first time to-day, and so everything you touch disappears? Yes, it is awfully extraordinary, and no one would believe it, simply from reading or hearing about it. It is unbelievable. It isn't a malady, for you do not look ill. It's, it's just miraculous. But all the same, it is very dreadful, groaned Miss Pym. I have attended church regularly, and been to most of your weekday services. I have worked hard to produce food in the garden. I have done all the club accounts. I have, and here Miss Pym buried her full round face in her ample handkerchief. Mr. Barton moved impatiently. But you appear to persist in believing this mysterious power is evil, and if not a power for evil, at any rate a punishment for some imaginary sin. I do not share your view of it. I have quite a different opinion about it. Miss Pym looked up. Her middle-aged face wore a very young, a quite childlike expression of surprise, interest, and hope. Yes, a very different answer to the enigma presents itself to me continued the vicar, who was now quite at his ease. He had been called on for help and advice. He was ready as ever to give both. At first he was taken aback, but every problem has its solution, 
and the reverend eustace barton was ready now to give miss pym what she sought hungry sheep never looked up to him in vain he fed them this er this faculty of becoming invisible i consider a distinct call yes a call to your patriotism something great is expected of you you are to dedicate this er gift to your country miss pym's feelings were mingled astonishment and exaltation combined rendered her speechless she kept her eyes fixed on the vicar her mouth slightly opened yes continued the reverend mr barton this power has been conferred on you for some high purpose i cannot tell you how it should be utilized experts must decide what you have to do and that without delay is to go up to london and offer yourself to the war office miss pym gasped oh yes i know the difficulties but we are more intelligent at the war office than we were continued the worthy vicar waving his hand a new idea has some chance of er gaining admittance there you must go to the war office at once and mr barton looked rather fierce as though miss pym required coercion but what can i do at the war office said miss pym helplessly disappear of course said mr barton settling his clerical collar and straightening his clerical waistcoat but disappearing will not impress officers said miss pym feebly feeling an hysterical inclination to giggle mr barton looked his sternest they'll have to be impressed you must disappear before sir robert williamson himself i'll tell you what miss pym i will accompany you to-morrow to the war office my nephew invalided from the front is working there we'll start with him but i do not understand in the very least what you expect of me what would be expected of me that i cannot tell you er my dear lady you must simply show your patriotism by offering your unique services to your country remember er that a soldier's eye is on you said the vicar dramatically pointing to general pym a pale-faced man in a peruke with very dark eyes the portrait in pastel had faded in the sunshine of some one hundred and twenty summers the red coat had become pink the flesh tints were bleached only the eyes remained vivid and dark staring back at whoever stared into their depths miss pym clasped her hands as she gazed at her pale ancestor and then and there dedicated herself to her country making her silent vows with closed eyes to-morrow by the ten eighteen express we'll meet at the station she heard the vicar say and now i must really hurry away to make arrangements and miss pym was alone it would be difficult to convey to the reader that good lady's feelings confused they certainly were courageous exalted and nevertheless timid perhaps we shall best sum up miss pym's state of mind by saying that she was exceedingly anxious to do her duty and to show her patriotism it cannot be denied that she would have preferred to show it in weeding the kitchen garden but mr barton had showed her a better way and she would follow it End of chapter two